Okay. You guys want to start? I think everything, I have everything set up on my end. Hi. Thank you guys so much. Um, the title of this talk is, uh, uh, what was it? How to talk to people who aren't listening. Uh, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> <laughs> Wedge strategies for outreach. My general structure for this talk is going to be that um, I'm going to review some strategies for how to act once you've established that the person's worth talking to, uh, as well as kind of a framework for how to judge whether the person you're interacting with at a conference or maybe maybe you're wanting to, to, to pitch uh, turfery to the Uber driver or something, <laughs> how, to, how to kind of feel that out and decide whether they're worth talking to uh, or whether you're just going to waste your time and why you might want to talk to somebody who's not worth talking to, situations where, where that might be worth your time. Um, and I also wanted to get your guys' uh, feedback uh, about what sorts of things you get told when you're trying to engage in these conversations, either online or in person, uh, and then we can try to ar array these into, into the different categories. So um, I suppose I'll start with the general model I have is that we're dealing with a, a cult dynamic, or, or, you know, it's, it's, it's a broad, loose, like, confederation of, of smaller cults, toxic social groups that people fall into that then encourage each other in this sort of medicalized self-harm uh, and down this, this path of uh, delusion, of, of confusion, of thinking that things are possible that are not possible. Uh, and to some extent, you know, we, we all have rights as an American to, to believe in things that other people think are not possible or are unlikely. Uh, and within reason to pursue practices that demonstrate that belief. So, so I'm not I'm not necessarily saying that we should somehow, you know, as as Michael Knowles might have said, like eradicate it. I don't I don't think that that's possible or feasible or, or worth pursuing. Um, we do need to to some extent, I believe, tolerate the fact that people want to believe strange things that that we don't agree with. Uh, but but I also do think that this particular uh, path is currently being enabled by uh, structures that, that should be more aware of the fact that this is a toxic religious movement, a, a, a toxic social groups that vary in toxicity levels um, and, and vary in, in other like foldover ways that people can get sucked in. These ra range in toxicity levels and they range in the, the means that the toxic social group is keeping people hooked. It's, not, it's, it's generally not purely about the trans ideology, um, but it is about having a more charismatic uh, leader, and then followers who uh, are, are interested in learning and, and growing in, in their path. Uh, and so it, it attracts a lot of toxic people, and it attracts the people who are not wise to those sorts of dynamics um, and, and are looking for answers. Um, and so generally, people who are in a cult, they are either going to stay or they're going to leave. Logically, that's the, those are the options. Uh, and so people who are intent on staying are generally not worth engaging, uh, especially not on a one-to-one -one basis that no one can overhear or see. Uh, the exception would be is if the people who might be intent on leaving or the people who are not otherwise in the group but still like supportive of it, if they can overhear the sorts of tactics that are used and you can call it out to them by addressing it as, as it happens. But, but you kind of have to be more experienced and, and go in with it with a an ability to stay calm and an ability to, to know what you're dealing with, which is uh, uh, the, the local cult leader. Um, and then my model is that, that people who are going to be leaving in the, in the foreseeable future, that they're broadly part of three groups. Uh, and this, this broad framework, I, b I believe I, I previously I had acquired, I'm not sure from where, but it was, it was during a time in my life I was very interested in Scientology. Um, and, and understanding how that movement happens. Um, but, but so I'm, I'm taking that, and, and if I can figure out where this came from, I'll, I'll, I would cite him, but I can't remember. Um, but this is the model I use, I should say. Um, you have overt, covert, and uh, mediators. So people who leave may one day just declare, I'm leaving, and then leave. Uh, the covert leavers are the people who uh, kind of sneak away in the night and they don't tell anyone that they're leaving, but they just leave. Uh, and then you have the mediators who are people who kind of outgrow the cult 
and are and and try to change it because they don't want to leave their friends, they don't want to leave their community, um, but but they haven't fully internalized the fact that this is a toxic group and it's going to keep being toxic. And I and my only option is to leave. Um, so of of those groups, uh, overt and covert are going to act like the loyalists, the people who are going to stay for as long as possible. So if you're if you're engaging with them, unless you're like a very trusted person, uh, they're they're going to act like the loyalists and um, that means that they're, they're, you're unlikely to persuade them in any meaningful way or feel like you're, you've persuaded them. Um, the mediators, though, those are the people that are really worth engaging either in public or on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Uh, and that, that group will be uh, wanting to uh, reconcile fundamental contradictions that they've noticed eventually uh, or talk through traumatic experiences they've had associated with being in this toxic social group. And so it's there where you can do a lot of uh, work uh, as helping to challenge their idea that people outside the toxic group are bad or evil in some way, or that people who don't support the aims of the toxic group are evil in some way and not supportive. Because that's what they've been told, right? Is that if you don't use their pronouns, you know, you want them to die. <laughs> like, yeah, this is genocide. <laughs> Gendercide. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I hate it when that happens. All the, all the, the, the forced misgendering camps. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> I call it also, I don't know who's, who's seen Monty Python. They're, they have a skit called The Knights Who Say Me. Uh, so I call it The Knights Who Say He. <laughs> They're coming for us. So. Um, so indications that a, that a person is a mediator would be that they would be willing to agree with basic reasonable statements or answer simple, straightforward yes, no questions, even if they can't see where you're going with it. Uh, so people who are loyal to the group or pretending to be loyal to the group, um, they're, they're going to want to every turn tell you, you know, you're wrong and, and, and I disagree. And so if you ask them a question where it doesn't directly challenge the belief system, but we're, we're laying some premises and we're going to work towards a conclusion. Um, the people that are our mediators are going to be willing to do that. They're going to be willing to be like, okay, well, I'm going to consider this apart from the idea that you're an evil, evil harridan who's, who's just trying to ruin my life. And I'm going to say yes or no, even if I can't tell how you're going to use this later. The mediators are also generally able to stick to one topic. So if you are talking to an overt or a covert or loyalist, uh, they're, they're going to want to jump around. And if they don't feel like they're winning on a topic, uh, they're, they're, they're just going to switch. And so you're going to like wildly run around and do the whole gamut. Uh, or they might come up with like eight or nine talking points in a row to try to overwhelm you. Um, that, that particular strategy is called a gish gallop where you just kind of say a bunch of things all at once. And then the person can't respond to all of that at, at once very easily. So they look like they're losing the debate. Uh, I wanted to ask for some suggestions about, about some interactions that you might have had or, or things that you've been told on the internet, claims that, that have been made towards you. So if anybody has any, any ideas. <sighs> Just the last few days, actually. Oh, um, transing kids isn't happening. It's not a real thing. Ah, uh, yes. It doesn't matter how many oh. pictures you show them. Yeah. Oh, um, prison guards, you know, women are getting raped by them. Prison guards. Mm. Ah, yeah, that's that's a that's a classic. So we got transing kids is not happening, and prison guards um, are also raping women in women's prisons. So it doesn't matter that we're putting rapists in women's prisons in their in their cells. Um, why, also, why do you care? Why, why do you care? Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Which that's that's the the why do you care? You're obsessed with other people's genitals. You just want to know what's in people's pants. Is is pretty clearly projection from from the more especially toxic uh, people in the group. I literally thought I was with a mediator. What you described as somebody that I think was a mediator is not. She's in the cult. Mm. This morning I was like, okay, this is where this person is. So it's really interesting what you're presenting today. It's very helpful. Oh, thank you. I'm not going to go back to her because she's not, you know, I thought. You don't feel like this is. Having a one-on-one -on -one with her or trying mm -hmm. to get her. So this person you were talking to said that 
made the prison guards argument and such? Uh, yep. And then um, she sent me a, uh, there's some chess, some somebody banned mm-hmm. transgender chess player. And she's like, you're going to tell me this is about, you know, whatever. I don't oh, I've been having the chess player argument in the last few days, too. <laughs> like as if I said, as if that, you know, discredits all these other things I've just mm-hmm. been showing you and send it, you know, like pointing you to. It sounds like, I mean, pr- prison guards versus chess tournaments, that's that's a pretty wide gamut. So the jumping around, for instance, right, right, right. Uh, would, would is kind of a sign of that where, where they've, they've given up trying to persuade you on this topic. So they're going to persuade you on this topic, whereas you could take a very deep dive into the subject of like, well, how, how, how much rape should we expect female prisoners to endure? Are, are there other solutions to the problem of prison guards raping them than adding more rapists. That seems like a strange solution to the problem of prison guards being rapists. I can't believe you have to actually like, say those things. Yeah. yeah. I literally said that. I, I, I got the prison guard raping women argument too. And I said, so your argument is that women should be raped some more? Question mark, question mark. <laughs> that they should be raped some more. Of course, they have no response to that. Yeah, yeah so right. I'm yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah. it's, it's it's ultimately like it's, it's almost like an appeal to fairness. Like, well, they get a chance. So, so you know, <laughs> yeah. we, we, why should I be punished when they're going to get raped anyway? That's that's not fair. Um, and Did you catch the fringe cases one? Yeah, they're all they're all fringe cases, so that it doesn't matter. Which which are all fringe cases? All I've heard is some yeah. Anything they say, yeah, it's a version of the. Well, that's just, they're just a couple bad apples. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Just a couple bad apples, you. and you know yeah. you can't focus on them. Right. I've right. Been told that uh, the crimes by trans-identified males are uh, rare, and I only know about it because I'm looking for it. Got it. Yeah, I've, I've I've been told recently. I think it was a. There, there, there was there was a couple of trans identified men on Twitter who who try to position themselves as the reasonable ones, the good ones. We're the true transsexuals. We would never say that we're men, we're women. Um, but they were were one of them kind of lost it and was like, well, you know what? I'm going to start calling turfs the b word. I'm just going to start doing that because y'all deserve it. Um, and and so he he tried to make the argument that like, well, you know, les- lesbians are so much more dangerous than trans identified men. So why are you even why are you even complaining? Uh, there's also the uh, indication of intersex people's rights to not have infant genital surgery as like a backwards justification to do genital surgery on non-intersex people yeah so that that's an interesting one that gets brought up is is because so the 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 hypothetical was that the right of a, a child with a disorder sexual development previously called intersex disorders but you know euphemism treadmill um that their their right to not have infant surgeries is somehow threatened by a challenge to the right of the supposed right of children to have genital surgeries if they want them. But of course, if, if you are a child with a with like a genital abnormality, it seems like you would probably be more likely, not less likely, to want to have a trans surgery to normalize yourself. Mm-hmm. And so this way, they're 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 being set up, and parents who want to normalize their children too. Especially since we're, we're we're going down the path of the idea that well kids know from age two, age three that they're trans, um, so why why not why why are we holding back? Yeah, um, I look at some of the photos that we took at Tolson Plaza uh, protests mm-hmm. that we had, and this was sign kept getting passed around, and different people were holding it up to us, and it says it's kind of creepy how much you think about other people's genitals. Mm. I mean, it, it, so so that's, you know, that, that Darvo deny accused reverse victim and offender were accused of uh, having an unhealthy preoccupa- preoccupation with genitalia by people who are removing uh, large chunks of their skin and, and, and sewing it up and, and attaching it to their genitals in order to mimic other people's genitals. So I'm not sure that we're the ones that are thinking too much about genitalia. Or too preoccupied. Other side, why are you so obsessed with me? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the obvious, the big one: trans rights are human rights. Right. So, so we've got this claim that tra- trans rights are human rights, but but they have a really hard time really elaborating on what is a trans right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's the appeal to authority on medical consensus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and children. Can't are you a doctor? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. doctor. And children can't consent to puberty, which is the <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, 
this legislation I saw on, on Twitter, someone's yeah. the, like, this legislation will force trans kids to go through the wrong puberty. The wrong puberty. And yeah. it's like, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize this legislation was that powerful that it literally created biology. Yeah. <laughs> There's the whole um, feminism, um, my feminism, I'm not get, I can't remember the word. My feminism. Feminism is, is for enough, everyone. Is big enough to include other people. And expand it. So why are you not yeah. expanding it? No, that's humanism. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Women are focused on women. Just to, to make sure this picks it up, uh, one, one, uh, the, the claim is that we should be expanding the feminist tent, uh, which is a, an attack on, on the, the, um, the, the validity and the moral like worth of our politics, saying that, that our, our politics must be perfected and brought in line with their vision of like the perfect politics. Um, so you, you're kind of, uh, I, I don't know who here is, is familiar with the concept of a, a Maoist struggle session. Yeah. Um, so a, a struggle session being, if for anyone who's not, um, where, and th these were large events too, where, where in, in under Maoism, uh, people were designated as, as being part of different identities. And some identities were better than other identities and celebrated. And, and other identities were seen as like a threat to the larger order. And eventually it got to the point where, where people from the good identities were persecuting and trying to to publicly humiliate and punish the people from the bad identities, uh, and and you know it was just it was just quite a thing. Um, but but there's there's a lot of thought that that's kind of what, the stage we're trending towards, where people with these negative uh, under Maoism as the black identities um, here here it's it's people who are, are cis normative, heteronormative, privileged, right? You loved puberty. It was it was great. It was great. I'm so cis. <laughs> um, in response to sex change is impossible um, this is all that gender is different right we're talking about gender or gender is different from sex these are people with a different gender right and not even necessarily always using the phrase gender identity but they just they have a different gender or they identify with a different gender and they're entitled to it and they're entitled to it yeah yeah, and gender is a very squishy word that, that shifts in meaning uh, within the same conversation. And so one way to figure out if you're dealing with a mediator or not is to see if they will give you a d definition of gender and then stick to it. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the talking points only work because people have accepted that, 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 that gender is this ineffable essence, uh, kind of like the Holy Spirit. It works in mysterious ways, and it can, it can take different forms for different people. And, and sometimes it's related to how you look, but sometimes it's not. And sometimes it's, it's limited to two options and other times it's not. And sometimes it forms early in life. Sometimes it forms later in life. So it's all, if you can get, nail them down on that or whether, or ask them a question where it would require taking a stance that's not politically approved. Uh, I have, I have a video on, um, oh, what did I call it? It was one of the Judas Butler's uh, series where I'm, I'm talking to a woman uh, in, who's a she's a professor at Boston University, and she made the claim that that gender identity develops by age three, and so I asked the pretty straightforward question of well, if okay, if, if gender identity is some developmental process that happens, does that mean that if a child is developmentally delayed, then it would happen later? And she couldn't answer. She couldn't. It's, it's like a thirty-minute video. We're just going back and forth. Where, where, where she's just like accusing me of having evil motivations for asking this unanswerable question. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the right credentials to even be like. It's such a complicated question. I can't possibly answer that in one one video. And and the other part of that is that well, if gender develops, other other developmental things can be disrupted or damaged in a brain injury. So is it possible to like have a severe brain injury and end up with like gender aphasia, where you no longer have a gender, where it's just gone? a brain dead person whose heart is still beating and they're still technically alive, do they have a gender identity at that point when they have no self-concept? No, she <laughs> refused to answer that. And eventually she ended up uh, coming down and saying, well, it's a social construct, so no, which doesn't make any sense either because, you know, of course, language is, is a developmental process that develops around age two to, two to five, uh, but it, it's very much like it develops because the language is internalized into the brain even though the language is a social construct. Your capacity for language is not a social construct that's biological. Yeah. They, they want to have it multiple ways, and they, they really aren't coming starting from a place of reason to get to these ideas. This whole idea uh, life is non-binary. Mm, life is non-binary? Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> right. How can 
you know, again, There's I read the signs of this false plaza, you know, trans rights to human life, life is by non-binary, crash the system, C-I-S-T-E-M. It's like that generation of these high school kids have gone through years now, uh, 12 years, 11 years of gender ideology indoctrination. Right. This is like their new social justice movement. They don't really understand the fine nuances that you're talking about. And unfortunately, they, they're taking it up like they're, like we cared about showing our age, war in Vietnam, Martin Luther King, the peace movement, all that. Those were our, quote, legitimate. Right. They, everybody wants to march with Martin Luther King. They all, they all read about it in eighth grade, and that's, that's their goal. And right. so, so, so they'll, they'll come out for whatever. Social movement that trans women are women, and they will die on the cross for it. Right. That's, these are high school kids that have now gone through 12 years of indoctrination, and they're coming out like snarling animals circling prey. We're out there saying, no, and putting up boundaries like the queens. Right, because we know that, we're, that the system is actually what keeps us all alive and healthy. And gives us access to food and clothes and shelter and jobs. So they, 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 they don't understand the consequences of this. You know, it's, it's like, who's, I don't know if you've seen the movie Idiocracy, but they've been propagandized that electrolytes are what plants crave. And so they want to start watering the crops with electrolytes. And they don't understand that that will kill the crops. And so, so we're, we have to be the ones to be like, no, we have to use water. And then they're like, well, the toilet stuff? No. <laughs> Ew. So, but we understand, you know, um, uh, I once got very angry with my mother for, for saying, uh, if you're not a liberal at 20, you have no heart. And if you're not a conservative at 40, you have no brain. But the older I get, I'm like, ah, damn it. <laughs> well, I do want a conserve thing. I prefer conservationist. I'm an institutional conservationist. <laughs> we have to, we have to keep the, the political ecosystem the way it is. Because bad things happen if things get destabilized. If we actually crash the system, that's actually not a good thing. So let's let's try addressing some of these. So transing kids is not happening. What do you say in response to that? Like they they they've moved their pawn. Now it's your turn on the chessboard. It's unfortunately it's you're playing against a trans-identified male, even though it's a women's tournament. So what do you do? Pictures, but that's not always successful. It doesn't. I have one woman. Uh, I was talking about, with uh, other sisters uh, about this uh, former mayor of Irvine, who's a friend of mine, intelligent woman, intelligent, sharp, knows what's going on. She she says that is not happening. So I send her pictures, and she has no response, but she doesn't change her mind. That so that? even the photos don't change her mind. Right, so so you would be dealing with, with somebody that's that's not ready to leave, or at least not ready to let you know that they're ready to leave because they don't want it to get back to whoever the, the social cult leader is. And unfortunately, on the, in the internet age, those, the local cult leaders can be anywhere. And so at any time. And so we're, we're all supposed to like be, be, be on the lookout, be ready to report our mothers or grandmothers for their transphobia if, if need be. So, so you, you would send pictures which could be summarized as, as a way of saying yes, it is, right? So you say, say yes, it is. And, and either they stop talking to you, it sounds like she, she just kind of like shut down. She's like, nah, nope, dangerous, dangerous. Forbidden media. Or the other option would be, uh, what's something else people say? It is happening, but it's rare. It's very rare, and just a few bad apples of doctors, and it's not, it's not really a thing. Right, and so, so that might be a sign that someone's more in the mediator camp. They're willing to engage with you and acknowledge evidence. But I think we, we get, it's bridge cases, we get bad responses. So I think we need to have some factoid. Of course, it's very hard to have facts on this, and where could they hide it from? Right. I mean, I have been going with... There were zero gender, pediatric gender clinics 10, 15 years right. ago, and now there's hundreds. Mm-hmm. And there's more data coming out that, it, that we need little succinct sound bites. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Pittsburgh, 9% of the kids uh, in 2021 it was were identifying as So it's some really hard. At what percent? It's 1%, but one thing that works against us, actually, one thing that works against us is the fact that. This is so bad and happening so fast that nobody can believe it. You know I mean? yeah, it's right. like you tell them the facts and they're going like, that can't yeah. be happening. No, well, right. you know? And yet it, yeah. it is. But it's in, we're in a time of like, we don't know even the facts. Nobody believes facts. We're, we're, mm. We don't have an agreement on reality and facts anymore. Even if you show facts, they'll say those are made up. You know, we mm-hmm. can, yes, that is post 
you know, holds true. Yeah. Holds true. Yeah. yeah, I have my alternate tests. My alternate mm -hmm. If you go into the actual studies that are published by by the doctors and hospitals, it has in the data sets ages at which people are getting hormones yeah. and puberty blockers and surgery. So it is self is published by who buys so it. that the data is there. The problem is when you link it, they refuse to read it. Right. Or if they do somehow read it, then they pivot to okay, well it's just a small minority, they actually need it. They, they switch the they actually need it as mm -hmm. I mean at some point you just if you're talking to somebody who's in the camp, you maybe can't convince them, but you can get them worried that maybe there's some truth to it and so they're forced a little bit. And maybe the other people listening to these targets anyway. So I was getting this at the Unitarian camp that I was at. I'm not right. They just didn't believe it. But they had enough, like, oh, well, what if she's right? And we're sending the data now. Hmm. They're being forced to look at it because they don't want their camp to look bad. Right, yeah, and I think that that, that appealing to the, the the possibility that that there are everybody who supported this will be exposed as people that that got snookered, they got they got conned, uh, and that that will challenge their credibility in the future. I think that that can be a good strategy for people who are not considered to be inside the group but are still supportive of it because they don't they don't know enough, and so so they're going to act much like the mediators and be willing to look at and acknowledge data and and establish premise premise conclusion. I've been asking how many people. I've been asking, how many trans people did you go to high school with? Well, they were all closeted. Because of people like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I've also said that they were able to grow up and be in their own bodies, yeah. maintain their own healthy bodies. But that can suicide. Get married or not, have kids or not, right? They didn't have to alter their body. I, I think that some people actually believe that, that you know, a lot of suicides, even if they weren't trans-identifying, that they were like closeted, and and so so they would they would kind of come start start suspecting that if somebody has emotional problems, and I because I th I thought this way at one point that if somebody has emotional problems that are chronic, you start thinking, well, maybe they're trans, maybe I need to help them know it's safe to come out, and so that's a way that people can get recruited into recruiting. If, if it isn't happening, why do they care about the lives that are being Yeah, that's a good one. Right, and so then, then it's like it's not happening. Oh, then in the next exchange, it is happening, but it's good that it's happening for the people that it's happening for. Yeah. They've already decided they're right, so we'll just use whichever argument to justify it. Yeah, the the people that are certain that they're going to stay in the group for the near future, uh, either the loyalist or the overt or covert people, they they're they're not going to want to engage. If if you have any pushback, they'll want to jump to the next topic because they they don't want to engage with the forbidden reasoning, like the these these groups operate by getting people to accept, and this is true of, of, of kind of a defining feature of a religious group, like you get some, but especially a toxic one, is, is getting people to stop thinking rationally uh, by getting them to uh, like accept a fundamental incoherence. Uh, and so in this group, they really are attacking your ability to form the idea of categories and to think that, that it's, it's okay to think categorically. Everything has to be a spectrum. Everything has to be mushy. You don't ever really know anything. And, and you're going to cause great harm in your, your confusion if you, if you engage too much with reasoning. Um, and so it's, it's uh, as a result, people who are, are, are in that, they don't want to engage too much in reasoning because on some level they do know that a lot of it doesn't make sense, but they, they're not ready to, to accept that their beliefs don't make sense. They don't want to lose the community. They don't want to be uh, subjected to what people in the outgroup like us get subjected to. And so. it's awfully hard to admit that your whole life is built on something that's wrong. That's yeah. Really yeah. hard that's to strong. that's really hard to admit publicly. Yeah. Right. I was completely wrong about this gigantic thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I was a covert leaver. I, I didn't I didn't announce it to the people that I was involved with. Um and I didn't try to well, I did slightly try to persuade one of them because she was a trans female to male. She'd gotten the top surgery, she'd been on hormones, and she wanted to be included in a, a data set of a study where they were testing how, how effectively this drug prevents HIV transmission. And they only wanted males, either cis males or, or trans-identified males. So they would take trans women or non-trans men, so trans women here being, being trans-identified men, but they wouldn't allow trans-identifying females into the study. And, and her belief, which is very common, 
is that the only difference between a male and a female are the hormones. Like they have this strange idea that testosterone is the only difference, even though the reason men make testosterone is because they have a different organ than us that develops before they're, that makes the testosterone. So if testosterone were the only difference, where did that organ come from? But she wanted, so she wanted to be in the study and she was not allowed in. So she started like trashing that particular, those study authors as being transphobic and saying this doesn't make any sense. And she was a gay man. So she wanted to, to be in the study for gay men, basically. And she, her partner was also a female. So just imagine the damage that would do to uh, a male to corrupt the data like that by including female to female transmission. And, and, and effectiveness rates, you know, like females have very different livers than males, for instance. Men, male livers are much more susceptible to liver injury because the SRY gene is active in the male liver across the lifespan and it predisposes them. And that's the one that makes testicles. So they'll also try to be like, well, the only difference, the Y chromosome, it just has this one gene. It's the only gene that does anything. And all it does is make testicles and it never does anything else. It's just, no, it's also active in the brain and, and acts to, to, has a role in, in, uh, regulating the basal ganglia, especially after uh, experimentally induced injury. It, it upregulates and does stuff. Uh, I believe men are also much more likely to get Parkinson's. There's also a degree from myocardial injury. Yeah, so S SRY is, is, is active throughout the body across the lifespan, and that is unrelated to testosterone. Testosterone, therefore, is not the only difference between males and females. And so, so when, whenever you're looking at how somebody processes a drug, how long it takes them to metabolize it, you know, the Y chromosome also, due to other genes on the Y chromosome, causes proportion differences throughout the body. One of those proportion differences is the proportion of the liver to overall body size. And so how, how quickly a, a liver can metabolize a drug is also a function, some, to some extent, of um, the volume, which is why people who have fatty liver disease and cirrhosis start having problems, is because too much of the liver is not functional tissue anymore. So, so it's, it has to actually interact with, with, with the liver cells that are producing the enzymes that break it down. So it's just for all these reasons, you need to have some uh, separation between males and females in medical research. And that's what feminists fought so long for. We still don't have it to the, to the extent that we need it. Yeah, because women were seen as, as a variation on men. Because sex so is a spectrum. Yeah, part of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know about that specific one, but I wouldn't be surprised because the theory was that that uh, we we were men who had these extra organs and extra hormone problems, and so therefore that would mess up the data because we we want the pure data, and w and women are just a variation on men. Another patriarchal reversal. Mm -hmm. Think about it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've said before, and and you know people push back on this. But um, I do believe it that that if you define female as the the category in a species that bears offspring uh, or or makes eggs as the dictionary defines it, well, you that category existed prior to splitting off into maleness because sexual reproduction came after asexual reproduction, and sexual reproduction involves one sex class that's giving genetic material to the other one. So you can either have have ones where where everybody is is both male and female and they're both giving and receiving, like in horizontal gene transfer and bacteria, or you can have this asexual kind of budding process where I would argue that everyone in that group is female. So, but some people are like, well, if you don't have the, if, if, male, if males aren't real, then you don't have, it doesn't make sense. So it's different. How you can conceptualize it is up to you. Um, but, but I do think that, that um, reason, the reasonable position is that, that males came later, maleness came later, and it has a specific function, which is to uh, be a, a, a subgroup of a species that evolution can act on more, um, more like and kind of kind of speed it up because they're they're there's more selection pressures on them to to increase possible genetic diversity too. Is that part of it? Now you're cycling. You know, so males are much less likely to reproduce. Yes, but you're cycling instead of just female to female cloning. Now you're going. Oh yes, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, to, it's to speed up the the genetic diversity, um, and and to to provide more, for more variability than is possible with asexual reproduction. What do you say to fringe cases? Don't matter. What would what would that that imply to you? So I'll give you an example. So in medical research, you know, you might have a drug that causes a side effect in, in one in a thousand people. Is that too often for the drug to be considered a good drug? Side effect is death. I mean, what's the side effect? <laughs> Well, it's, it's, there's there's that that point, and then the other point would be, what is it treating? If it's ten out of a thousand, 
without the drug, then one out of a thousand is an acceptable side effect, even if it's a different one in a thousand who would have died from than than if you didn't treat the condition. So when they say fringe cases don't matter, they are making an argument that there is a threshold of the number of people who have to be affected, and this falls below this. So so what I do is I try to get them to nail down, well, what's the threshold? How many? Like, how many children <laughs> need to be mutilated for you to care, for it to be a problem? And then I would, from there, invoke the idea of a particular child and be like, I feel like, like Susie over here is enough. This, this is enough for me to be like, this practice is bad and needs to further regulation. But they're willing to tolerate some numbers, so they should be willing to to um, get real get, and talk real numbers about what what their relationship is. Because they're they're the ones who are arguing that like, well, well, Jim, Jimmy's suicidality is is common enough that we need to worry about it. So, so they seem to think forty one percent that's that's a high enough risk, even though that's not the actual suicide rate. That's that's the rate of people supposedly who do who know that they're participating in a study like this, who report that they might have thought about it once upon a time. So it's it's retrospectively appeal to medical consensus so if somebody says well medical the medical uh, professions are all in favor of this they were in favor of leeches they were in favor of blood in favor of all kinds of yeah and they were not in favor of trans stuff just a few years ago so why 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 do we think that they're right now i was just bringing up the four countries and that's that have been systematically used and all concluded I mean, they'll typically say like, well, would you, uh, the question was like, what, what about just the violation of, of, of their, their supposed commitment to, to not do more harm than good, um, uh, in, in doing all of this. What I've encountered from them is, is that from there, that's when feelings cancer gets evoked and, and you, they, they want to say, well, would you deny chemotherapy just because it, it might make the child sick? They they want to they want to talk about what are real real medical procedures that are really about um, addressing a, a verifiable problem, uh, and so what could you say in response to that? If they said they brought up like, well, you would you you would allow giving this powerful drug that would make a child very ill might give the child secondary cancers because uh, a lot of chemotherapies they the cancer is a side effect of, of the cancer medication, so um, in some fraction of them may not render them sterile and they'll still be able to have orgasm mm. possibly. I mean, if that's the argument they're using, is if you use the trans uh, way, it's irreversible for children. From my understanding, if you start them on um, puberty blockers and then go right to cross-sex hormones, mm-hmm. it, it, they become sterile. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. If, if the organ's not allowed to develop, then it won't function. Not a problem. That doesn't render them sexually... Um, oh, it depends on the cancer. Certain brain tumors could do that. Could induce a, a, a hypo, or whatever it's called, where if, if it's if there's too much damage to the hypothalamus when a child is young, then they won't go through puberty um, unless you give them these other hormones. And then they, they might have sexual function problems similar to puberty suppressed kids. And, and I, I always say there's no objective measure for gender identity. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Unlike cancer. And then um, I always, I've been saying lately too, that I've come to see gender identity as a personal or spiritual belief about the self. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a soul concept. And so so uh, when I... Not measurable. That's not measurable. Yeah. Right. It's like you're trying to measure just how Catholic you are. Right. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. getting them to agree that gender identity is not measurable, that's a good way of establishing a premise. And, and differentiating between mediators and, and the people who are leaving, because the people are not going to leave. The people who don't want to leave are going to be very reluctant to agree with you that it's not measurable. They'll want to talk about this or that, or they'll, they might get abusive at that point and be like, well, how dare you not, not think you, that you know someone else better than they know themselves and, um, or, or appeal to just just a lot of times they'll, they'll, they'll step up the intimidation factor. But if you can get them to agree that it's not measurable, then you might be dealing with a reasonable person. Um, because that's that's what they say is it's not measurable. Um, although sometimes people will try to make the argument that like they somehow found an area of the brain that's that's proves it, uh, and so then you can actually get into the, like you know citation needed. Where, where's the study? 
they seem to start to get into the testosterone exposure in the womb mm-hmm. argument. Right. So the idea being that, that if, if there, there's some magical critical period of development in the womb where if, if the child has a higher level of testosterone, because testosterone is not considered to be something that crosses the placenta, but it does affect placental functioning and therefore might indirectly defect, affect the, the fetus. Um, but the mother's level of testosterone is not going to transfer directly to the fetus. Um, but, but the fetal testosterone might be high if they have a, an intersex disorder, for instance. Um, but the question is, is an intersex disorder symptoms, is that the same thing as gender identity? And that's where you get into the group that I call the, the Church of Immaculate Conception, where they believe that gender identity like feels and gender dysphoria is some sign that something was different in your development and that, that this is a developmental trait. Yeah, I've been trying lately to just casually bring up the fact that breasts are defined as uh, abnormal structures caused by birth defects, according to California insurance law. Puberty is deemed a disease, and the child's body is declared wrong. And just kind of saying, you know, that just doesn't, that just doesn't sound good to me. Do you, you all agree with that? Isn't that like a bad body? Mm-hmm. Kind of a common sense. Like, but in comparison to a cancer, right. a kid with a cancer, you have a kid where they're literally saying the healthy breast is a birth defect. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, because we're, we're disrupting the idea of healthy versus unhealthy um, in when we, we allow people to say that a healthy breast is an unhealthy, abnormal structure based on the child's dislike of how their body looks, which is, you know, it would be akin to, to saying that, that, that a normal body fat percentage on a person with anorexia is an abnormal, that that's morbid obesity because they, they think they should be excessively thin. You know, we don't, we, don't, we don't enable that, but we're enabling this for some reason. There's also a paper that's been going around where this woman, Carol Pfeiffer, I think was the lead author, Pfeiffer, uh, and, and their argument was that we need to move away from this idea of a child with and without birth defects and we need to queer fetal development in some way mm-hmm. so that we can be more accepting of giving drugs to mothers that cause birth defects and it's really like a sign of our own spiritual failing that we don't accept the thalidomide babies of our generation mm-hmm. and, and, and allow women to keep taking their testosterone while they're pregnant. But um, oh, right. you said it, it's I don't like it too. Too. You know, if you have a, you know, well, my, I have a baby that's not, that has a deformity. Mm-hmm. I want to choose to not do that. Like, I, I forget it, go on. I just, well, yeah, and that, that relies on having an understanding of normal versus abnormal. To, to, to say that we need to pursue the gender identity feelings of adults um, over prevention of birth defects in infants, you know, that it's, it's wrong. It's, it's fundamentally wrong, but they're, they're so divorced from uh, the idea of right and wrong because those are categorical ideas. And queerness is about disrupting categorical thinking and making ideas like, well, what if wrong things are right, you know, more feasible. So it's a very dangerous ideology because they don't have a value system that's consistent. It's all very much dependent on what people around them might think. And that's when when you get dangerous group think that's swayed by a a malevolent personality, the local cult leader. I had two. um, One is um, I pointed to... um, a, a study that they put in the access that they talk about um, the generation of boomers, I think they call themselves um, the silent generation, there's like 0.5% of those people surveyed who are still around identify as trans. And then the boomer generation, it goes up by like 1%. Gen- I think mean, I don't have it in front of me, but each one goes up incrementally and then it's kind of like the exponential curve. And whatever generation of kids is going around now, which we probably have some around the community, A, whatever they call the next group, and it's exponential. So my question to them when we're having a discussion is like, hmm, you know, other things that occur seem to have a steady, um, maybe we see the same percentage, but consistent over time, that, that things are part of the human, um, the variety of human beings. But I mean, this seems kind of on par with like social contagion, and usually they can't explain it. And like, if you say trans always existed, then we should have a pretty steady amount for every generation of people that we see. Mm-hmm. The second argument I make is um, I often look to our closest and or I said we're animals and our closest relatives are primates, primates. So I said you know, often I look to them to, to talk about the discussion of what should what should we be eating? Like, what are our teeth like? What do we see our closest relatives doing? I said I don't really see anything about apes like you know predating on you know, gazelles are not identifying as lions. Like, you know, I don't think we'd be seeing this in, in other 
especially intelligent mammals like elephants or um, dolphins, and you know that 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 usually just well, they're not people, and then it goes right back to this. Mm-hmm. But I mean, most people would probably most people aren't in the cult might say, yeah, there's some value to looking at what you know some of our most closely related you know species do because maybe it might give us some insight into you know when we see you know, apes or, or orangutans in the way they interact with one another, we see a lot of ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're not exhibiting this, could this be part of what humans create? We create things, we create religions, we create culture. I know that animals have a culture but not in the same way. Could this be something that we write about? You know, we tell children fairy tales, we tell children things, people can be impressionable. Apes aren't telling other apes to think a certain way. They just do because it's what's natural. So I don't know if that's helpful for anyone but um, I've used that. Most normies seem to get, well, people who are on the fence that maybe start off with be kind, hear that, and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm not sure how effective it is to the others, but they do seem to get um, stymied on the um, that percentage. That's sort of the reason why it's not consistent. Yeah, okay, so so the, the comment was that, that um, the um, the percentage of, of trans-identifying people is, is inconsistent across time and across generations, and so your likelihood of identifying as, as being a gender special is, is a pretty direct function of your age, uh, which which suggests that, that people are acquiring it socially and they're more likely to acquire it socially. Yeah, and so so they I've heard that 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 rebuttal that that well there's they're 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 all just oppressed and scared to come out, but of course like why are they scared now? I mean the people that are alive now they're not in the past just because they're old. So why why aren't they coming out? Are they like are they afraid of the other people at like the nursing home judging them? <laughs> like it doesn't make a lot of sense. But the fact that they're not getting exposed to it in the school, for instance, they're not being taught it by their teacher, might be, play more of a factor in in why they're not identifying this way, um, even though they might be dimly aware of the fact that, that other people are. Yep. Your nursing home comment reminded me that. Um I've heard anecdotal story that do not have evidence, but I do know that people who um, have had some kind of either like the football people with, the, um, with CPE or um, some kind of form of dementia go back to I, I, whatever their you know identity was during their functioning year. Once they had some brain damage or Alzheimer's or dementia or a brain injury, they 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 know inherently what they are. So mm-hmm. The base brain goes back to. Right. So the the comment was that that, that people who have dementia and and lose their more recent memories, uh, that there have been reports that that they revert back to their previous gender identity, you know, claims uh, that are in line with their sex and that they might. um, There have been reports that I've never personally interacted with such a case, um, which is surprising. You think that like if if I was if this was something that was inherent, it wouldn't there, there would be a fraction of people who were willing to start coming out as their brain deteriorated, as they became disinhibited. Because if, if they're only keeping in themselves in the closet because of social inhibition, then it, as they, they progress in their dementia and the, the inhibition goes away, surely they should, yeah, when, when they get to the point where they're kind of like functioning like seven, eight-year-old children, you know, some of these people, you know, they'll have dolls, they'll be, they'll be drawing pictures that, that look like the child drew them because they really are losing those, those more recent years and reverting back to a, a childlike state. That, that we should be seeing people be like, I'm, I'm the other sex. But I really have not seen that. Like, people don't seem to, to forget, whereas I've seen a lot of reports of people claiming to have worked with dementia patients who forgot that they were trans and felt very betrayed by the fact that now they had breast implants or, or, or their penis was gone. The last comment on that was, um, I have seen this when I worked with um, the um, geriatrics that these were the people in the world, which you can imagine that most were gone now, when they had strokes. They, the part that we've been socialized to behave, like the things that we suppress that we did wrong with other people, like many people lose that. So they will just blurt out things that we would normally suppress yeah. because it's not polite. Um, and our groups will just blurt out like that. You know, see that guy over there? He's fat. And just say things that would be mortifying. So I'm just saying that. I think that if people lose that, they're losing the um, whatever is to play along because it's mm-hmm. gone. You can't continue to, you're, you're delusional player. You just, yeah. So. Yeah. So the the comment is that yeah, after after any kind of brain injury, 
but especially right hemisphere disorders uh, because of, of the, some some uh, a quirk of evolution. And I, I've, I had a relative who had who had a lesion in the right hemisphere, and so I've, I've seen this up close, where it's just and it's very hard to understand why they can't seem to learn not to act this way. But it's it's the, the regulatory structures have themselves been damaged, and so um, with even with a lot of therapy, it can be difficult to get them to understand that there's a problem. And so, so it's, it's a lot harder to change something you can't tell that is a, is a problem you're having. Um, and so, so they may be, uh, so, sometimes it can be a function also of disrupted attention because to inhibit yourself requires attention and, and people can improve over time, but like this is, it, it can, it can also damage judgment. And so if, especially the frontal lobe, if, it's, if the frontal lobe is damaged there, the, the, your ability to judge what's appropriate can go out the window and you, and people with such damage can do very unexpected things. Even if they can, they could talk rel- relatively normally, and you can have a conversation with them. They'll turn around and go do something where you're just, "Why did you do that? Why did you try to cook the cat? <laughs> like that's not the right thing to do." And like they won't, they won't be able to explain it, or, or they'll try to explain it, and their explanation will be very confusing, and they'll think it's normal. So it's just, yeah, as 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 you have this sort of damage, they, those people need a lot of support, um, and they might need that support forever. And unfortunately. They may also specifically need the support to not do sexually inappropriate things because sexual inhibition is a kind of inhibition. And so you might have somebody who would never have done this before, but they get a brain injury and now they're making sexually inappropriate comments every time they notice a woman. Uh, And they may have a memory impairment too, so they're making the comments pretty frequently. Uh, They might try to access spaces they shouldn't be accessing for the wrong reason. And we are enabling such people to be able to go and get within arm's reach of someone that they would not be able to inhibit their their impulse to grab, and it's just not good. You know, I, I'm I'm not trying to stigmatize such people because, as I mentioned, I I, I know somebody with with this outside of my work. That's part of why I got into the work. Such people need support, and and they're part of our community, and we need to protect them from themselves, uh, unless and until they're able to 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 re- recover to the point where they don't act that way. Um, so it's it's pretty heinous in my opinion that we're um that that the the the, this activist group is in such denial that such people exist and have disabilities and is is using the the trust me bro argument for like why they they just want to pee you don't know that like what do you mean they just want to pee like we we all know that voyeurism exists and we all we all should know maybe we don't all know but we all should know some girls do not know that now they're (laughs) they don't know their friends I have like seventeen year olds, and it's like, you know, these are crimes. Yeah, upskirt. You know, they know upskirting, but they don't. They're not connecting it. They they just don't get that education. And what do they think about it? This is just it, what it happens. This is yeah, normal. they don't. Well, because nobody's narrating it to them that they're vulnerable and that they're a class that needs to be protected. Right now, it's really about protecting trans, protecting yeah. black men, protecting gay men at, you know, at all their men. expense. At their, at their expense. Yeah. They don't know it. And they call me mom, you know, the lady in the room that cares about the most, like... Yeah, that their privacy is somehow a threat to men. Yeah. And, yeah, it's and kind of like the institutionalization of the overgiving mother. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. That's, it's, it's like everybody wants our, our gender nature. nature. You want to talk about gender? I'm here to say the kids, the kids now. Menopausal crown, I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, my question is, where are all, where is the cohort of middle-aged women that are all trans. That couldn't trans. They were pretending to be cis. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, there's there's not many of them. There, there's Amanda not, Jeanette Jeanette Knox. It's not like a, it's on Twitter recently. It's just not. It doesn't seem like it's as big. They found you for my camera. I when people speak, but yeah, it's pretty rare. Trans identified females. Yeah. You know, like there's not a giant cohort uh-huh. like there are the men uh, yeah. and like the young girls and these or very feminine gay men. And then it's just, oh. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, someone on, on Twitter, was, I think she came out as a non-binitarian. Uh, I think that's what I call non-binary people. There's there's a sect of Christianity called binitarianism. So it's, it's by analogy, non-binitarian. Now she's a trans man. She's leveled up. Well, she's not teen. Yeah, but they're, just, they're not the influencer. You know, they're not just everywhere. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's a very small it's population. Very, it's like, oh, do we not, are women not, you know, is our gender, do females 
often not have a gender identity. But I don't. I don't even know how to say. And of course, young young people are not savvy to the fact that that a, a woman transitioning later in life like that is not going through what they're going through as teenagers, uh, and and therefore may be more likely to be to have have motivations of of like social manipulation, attention seeking. Um, but like pathological and not like normal age age appropriate attention seeking. It's normal for a teenager to be attention seeking. That's just kind of like what they're going through. They need the attention. They don't know themselves yet. It's it's normal. But if a woman gets to 45, 50, 55, and she's still pathologically attention seeking, like something something got messed up somewhere along the line, um, and and or it's it's to get get things that she shouldn't be trying to get, uh, or or to otherwise um, endear herself to people that that she really is on a different level from. But, but she may have just never, never grown up in that way. And they'll go back and say, well, if, I, if only I'd been allowed to transition when I was five, my whole life would have been better. I'm definitely like, I'm a 50 year old trans person, but I'm, I'm, I'm exactly the same as this kid. I'm just, I'm just, I'm what happens when you don't have that. And that's, that's obviously not, not the case. And so they're trying to um, experiment on kids in order to see, to answer their own question of what, what would have been different if things were different. When I was also in, in, in that organ, that toxic, my, my particular toxic subgroup, which had a lot of things keeping me in that group, not just the trans stuff. It was, it was, a, it was a polycule, so it, we were all polyamorous, so everyone could date anyone. And we were reinventing love. We were going to do it right. Yeah. We, we were going to find the way that nobody would ever have to go through a breakup ever again. It, it was, was going to be utopia. No one would ever <laughs> completely avoid your abandonment fears. No, we tried that in the 60s. We were all... No, we did it better. Yeah, no, you did it better. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, we, we had the internet. <laughs> <laughs> you were a cis-normative polycule. <laughs> I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, I get it. I get it. It's crazy. Yeah, so so it's uh, there were a lot of things keeping me in it, but this... I, I remember actively like, and I was I was young. I was a young person. My brain had not fully like turned on yet. I was like twenty two or something. But but I I remember because I was thinking for myself, do I want to cut my rust off? Do I want to start taking a drug that's gonna like give me butt hair, according to everyone? Do I? Hmm. Is this is this the pivot for me? Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, but then but then I met uh, this, this this woman that that I would end up dating, and then I was also in a relationship with a, with a trans identified male who was like trans feminine, and, and we were all very confused, um, and whole 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 structure. But but she she was like even more willing to go for it, and um, she I, I just remember thinking like, well, I'll see how it goes for you. Let's see how see how it goes. Maybe maybe. It'll... Yeah. Oh, she did. And so she she had some issues. She was it was extremely anxious of the like shaking variety, um, and she she got I believe she got top surgery before she she went on the testosterone, um, and the top surgery was reasonably botched. I think that she may have had an underlying connective tissue problem because she the the scars that resulted like they they didn't quite leave enough tissue to like pull it down to have them approximate. So the scars kind of separated into these like crescent moon scars. They were like bright red. Last that lasted for I think indefinitely, but there's there's something called cigarette paper scarring uh, that can happen if you have connective tissue problems. And so she she got that done and, and had 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 her her nipples like cut off and re- repositioned and it was yeah yeah. How do we have groups of people that just don't practice Um, I'm not I'm not in touch with her these days because I'm I'm a a wicked turf. Um, but, but I, uh, I do, I do go to her Facebook sometimes and, uh, she is, appears to still be, um, working at the same like trans organization that she was working at in graduate school. Uh, and she still is presenting as, as male. She's got like a pedo stash now, which is like, or porn, porn stash, I guess is the term. It's. I, she could trim it, is all I'm saying. It, it might look better if it was trimmed. <laughs> I should have sold her appearance. It's, it's perfectly. It's 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 a it's a it's a fabulous mustache. She should be very proud. That, that was a fair trade for breasts. Um, 
but so I, I, I haven't been in touch with her since the, this is she, this is the one that wanted to be in the HIV study. So I, I really, we kind of had a falling out where I realized like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to lose these relationships if I don't just kind of like back away slowly. I need, I need to like stop trying to engage with this. Of course, I still kind of lost it. Like we still did drift apart either way. Um, because for some people in this group, like they really need you to be reinforcing it and they really need to feel like they're with other trans people. What's happening? Oh, okay. So it sounds like I need to wrap up. So thank you guys so much. Um, if you guys want to talk to me afterwards, you're welcome to come up. So.